Well, <clears throat> one of the things that we are involved with here at uh, Grace that we actually don't talk about that much is uh, we actually support two Thailand or two orphanages in Thailand. And uh, when I say support, I'm not saying we just throw, you just write them a check for a few hundred dollars. No, we actually uh, years ago we went out, we bought the land. We built the buildings. We actually eventually outgrew those buildings. We knocked them down and built more buildings. And uh, we have somebody on the ground who, uh, who went out and got the kids, and we fully support these kids, okay? We have like 55 to 60 kids, and, uh, and on, literally on the other side of the world that we have changed, completely changed their lives. Um, and so if you give to our church, just know by far the majority of our money, you know, it, it's spent here at Tiffin, uh, but we do once in a while do these, do these other things and we fully support a group of kids on the other side of the world, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but one thing that we do is that once in a while we'll send out a, uh, a group from our church, like a, a team to that you know, we'll gather some people, we'll send them to Thailand, and, and they'll kind of visit with the orphans and stuff like that, uh, the orphanages. And we actually have a team out there right now, and uh, they sent us a little video for this morning. So here we are in Thailand. DS3 and DS4 are right on the other side of the fence here. We've just been getting uh, pictures of everybody and kind of documenting everybody as they grow up, and we're having a blast. Whole team is having a good time. Right now we're assembling for a picture and basically we'll get them to say a big hi in just a minute. So just kind of a cool thing that we do. Um, that team will be there. I think they get back next Sunday. So if you would, uh, throughout this week, just pray that, uh, that you know, God will use them in, the, in whatever way he sees fit. And also they'll get back safely. And, uh, and so that'll be good. The, uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing on in our series called Ephesians. Now this morning is going to be a little bit different um, in the fact that Today, what we're going to be talking about is not primarily about you or me, okay? Usually, it's all about how we need to do better in this area and that area. That's not what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at God, and we're going to be looking at what He can do, okay? Um, <clears throat> the, uh, this, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to read through a prayer that Paul actually prays for the Ephesian church, or for the, 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 the church in this city called Ephesus. And uh, we're going to look at what's kind of available to us, and uh, we're going to look at it as it, it, what is available to us is actually um, available to us, but in a way that we can't actually go out and get it, okay, which is different. Um, but if we pursue it and, um, you know, and we ask God for it, maybe God will give it to us. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. No, it does not. You can just tell me no if it doesn't. Um, if you're one of those people that you're like, get to the application, all right, today's not really going to work out for you either. Um, I don't really have an application for today. All right, I don't have the four steps to becoming a better Christian or to have a better relationship with God. Uh, today, we're, again, we're just going to look at God and we're going to look at Jesus and it's going to be like, how crazy is that? Okay, that's what we're going to do. Um, and so we, uh, you know, hopefully you're good with that. We'll start getting this going. All right. 
as we're going through, <laughs> I want you to remember a couple things. I want you to re- remember the reason why Paul is even writing this letter. Uh, he's writing it as a survival manual, manual to this church in this huge city in Rome called Ephesus, okay? Uh, it, was a, it was a major hub in the Roman Empire, and, uh, and it was also kind of the epicenter of worship for many Greek and Roman gods. People would come from all over the world. This is what Ephesus was known for. People would come all, from all over the world, and they would come to worship, you know, this god or that god. And so these people are in a hostile environment, okay? It's not a Christian-friendly environment, this church. And uh, Paul, he knows these people, and he actually spent two years with these people. We see back in Acts chapter 19 and, uh, and the church grows, and he, he knows them, and he loves them, and the church is kind of, was, kind of boomed when Paul was there. But then he fast forward a few years, Paul, he ends up leaving Ephesus. He starts visiting city after city after city. And then when Paul is writing this letter, he is in prison in Rome. And I don't know, he gets up one day, and he's like, ah, I'm going to write those people that I always think about, the Ephesians that I love, that I care for, that I'm always praying for, and I'm going to write them a letter. And so he actually writes these people that he knows and these people that he loves in Ephesus, a letter. And that's what, we're, that's what we've been looking at through this series. And that's what I want you guys to remember as we're reading through what, what we have for today. Now, at this point in the letter, Paul has just gotten done explaining the gospel story. You know what gospel means. Gospel is just good news, okay? Nothing crazy. I think we got, you know, sometimes we have these different view, you know, viewpoints of what these words mean. It just means good news, all right? And, uh, and so Paul has just gotten done explaining this good news that we've been looking at for the last two weeks. He's gotten done explaining, hey, God chose you. He loves you, okay? He's got all this grace for you. He has literally adopted you, if you're a Christian, into his family, and he has poured out his grace on you, all right? Cool. Um, And he did that, which is crazy, what we looked at last week. He did that even though we were dead, all right? Even though we were nothing, even though deep inside in our inner being, in our inner core, we were just like evil, evil people. We are so messed up. He's like, but look what God did for you. And then he prays for them, kind of right here in the smack dab in the middle of his letter. The first half, he's explaining the, the, the good news, the gospel story, what Jesus has done. And then the second half, he's saying, hey, th- because of this good news, this is how you need to live your life. But right here in the middle, he kind of stops everything, and he begins to pray for these people who are not in an easy situation. And this is how he starts off in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. All right, he's saying, for this reason, after everything I've just said, after everything we've, uh, we've gone through the last two weeks, after everything he has explained, he's like, this is what I do on a regular basis. I get down on my knees, and I kneel before God, and I plead with him. All right, I plead with him. I beg him that he'd give you a couple things. Right? He's like, everything that I have from, the inner, from my inner being or who I am really on the inside, I, I, I know you, I care about you, I love you, and so I beg God and I urge him and I plead with him for this, and we see this in the next verse, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory. I mean, think about that for a second. Think about that phrase, according to the riches of his glory. Right? How expansive is that, right? I mean, huge. Something we could never understand. I could spend you know, weeks just talking about that. I won't. But, uh, but I could, okay? We could be in here all day. Um, but he says, this is what I want him to give you, that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power 
in your inner being through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the the height and the depth of, of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, when was the last time you prayed like that? All right, think about that. When was the last time you prayed like that, right? For somebody else. Now, we don't do that. That's not how we pray, you know. Um, by far, the majority of us in here, uh, we don't pray enough. I mean, I think most of us would generally, you know, um, ad- admit that, that we don't, you know, we don't pray like this, and we don't pray, we don't pray enough. And, uh, and, you know, we just don't spend much time doing that within our lives. But then the few of us that do, we've been a Christian for a long time or whatever, and we, we have a good prayer life, you know, we, we don't pray like that. Right, what do we do? We're like, hey, God, um, you know, dear Lord, uh, Jill's foot hurts again. Please, you know, help her feel better. Make that better. Fix that. That's what we pray for. Right? We pray for all these other things, which I'm not saying are necessarily bad. Okay? Those things are not bad. But what's the essence of what we're praying for? Like, if we dig down deep, okay, Jill's foot, whatever, you know, it's like, well, we're praying for them to have some temporary comfort in life. Right? I mean, isn't that the, the essence of what we're praying for? Isn't that the essence of what we are asking God for? And those things aren't bad, but look what Paul's praying for. He's praying for something so much bigger than that. So much better than that. He's praying for something so much more because Paul, he's got like the end game in mind. See, he's thinking so much bigger picture than what we think. And it's not just temporary comfort or temporary happiness. I mean, think of where Paul is right now, right? When he's writing this letter. He's literally sitting in jail. Not ideal, okay? Not a place I would want to be, all right? Uh, think about the people who he's writing to, all right? They're getting persecuted uh, for their faith. I mean, some of them are probably getting killed for what they believe, for believing that Jesus is God, okay? And so they have all this, you know, they have the not ideal situations for both people. And Paul here, he does not say, hey, guys, uh, good news. I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you to get out of your circumstances. He's not praying that. He's not saying, hey, guys, I'm praying that, uh, that God would get me out of jail because, you know, I could do a lot more out of jail. I could be, you know, I could witness to a lot more people. I could, I could help people. You know, I could go uh, encourage the church and encourage you guys, encourage these people and, and go tell these people about Jesus. But I'm here stuck in jail. I can't do that. It's not what he prays for. Right? He doesn't pray that, that they would be safe. He doesn't pray that, that they would be, you know, for protection or for healing or the change of circumstances uh, for them. And, and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying those things are bad things to pray for. God actually encourages us to ask because he's like our dad. He's like, ask me, I want to give. I want you to ask. But look at Paul's focus. Those things that are good, that's not like even within Paul's mind. It's not his focus at all. It's not his central focus, that's for sure. He is not uh, asking for any of those things. Um, You know, he's saying, you know, I'm not praying for your hurt foot. I'm not praying that you find a job. I'm not praying for your kids or for your procedure this week or for your family member. He's saying, this is what I'm praying for in Ephesians 6, uh, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. That's what he's praying for. He's like, that's what I'm praying for. 
for you. That's what I want you to have. And this will be so much better for you than temporary comfort or temporary happiness. He's like, this is what you need. Right? Who cares about the other stuff? Right? This right here, um, well, it's not language that we use in the church often, right? Inner being. It's like, ooh, right? Like, what is that? Some mystical or some, you know, magical thing or some psychology. You know, I don't know. Uh, That's not, not something we talk about here. But what Paul's saying, he's not trying to be weird, um, although this was 2,000 years ago, so they thought different back then. But he's saying, hey, there's a part of you that's like the inner part. Okay, the core of who you actually are, the very deepest part of who you are. And he's saying, hey, that's the part that the Holy Spirit wants to get his hands on. All right, that's the part. It's not the outside. It's that core part of who you are. Last week, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, We were talking about our core and who we actually are. And we talked about how Paul's saying, hey, we are like evil on the inside. Right, like our inner core or who we are, like deep down inside is like broken. And in fact, if we don't have a relationship with God, Paul's like, hey, you're actually like dead. Now that's how messed up we are on the inside. But think about it, our, in our culture, we don't think about the inner, inner being, right? We don't think about the inside of who we actually are because we focus on the outside, um, we make ourselves look like we got it all going on. I could, look at, uh, I could look at any of your like Facebooks or Instagrams or any of your social media, and including mine, you know, I'm, I'm in this too, and our lives look so much better on there than they actually are in real life, right? Because we're not posting like a picture of our dead dog, right? We're not doing that. That's weird. Um, if you do it, yeah, nobody does that. But uh, like we don't do that. What are we posting? We're posting the highlights of our life. All right, we're posting all the good stuff because we want everybody to see the good stuff. All right, the majority of our posts is all about the highlights. And it's like we pretend to be somebody who we're not. We act like it's all going on. I know. Um, You know, think about the place that we pretend the most. Where, Where is that? Probably at church, right? We're really good at, we put on the fake front. All right, I know how it is. Right, driving to church, you're in the minivan, and you're like yelling at each other and screaming at each other, and you're screaming at the kids, screaming at your husband or wife, right? And then you get out and you walk in through those doors and you shake the hands of the greeter, and you're like, everything's good. <laughs> you know how it is, right? You put on this fake smile, right? We act or we pretend like we're somebody else, right? We're on our best behavior when we're at church, though. See, Paul's saying, who cares about the outside? Right, who cares about the external you know, uh, circumstances that we're in? Is he saying, hey, it's the inside that matters. Right, who we actually are is what matters. And he's saying, I desperately want God to give you strength with power in your like, innermost being. That's what, I, that's what I get down on my knees every day and I beg and I plead that God would give you that. Not something that's surface level, all right? <clears throat> not something that's gonna make your life okay on the surface. He's saying, I want him to give you strength, not on the outside. I want him to give you strength like on the inside, where it matters, where it counts. And then he gives us reasons as to why. In the next verse, he's like, this is why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love 
may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, let me stop here for a second. All the saints, okay, we have this like messed up view of what a saint is, um, and part of that is because of other, you know, churches uh, view saints differently, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. But saints, the biblical saints, you know what a saint is biblically? It's just a Christian, okay? It's just a, it's somebody who has given their lives over to Jesus, all right? Um, so all of you are saints, okay? Good job. You hit the saint status. Uh, you could go around and call yourself saint whatever if you want um, because you are a saint, right? We have this distorted view of, of saints where it's like a saint is somebody from long ago who wore like robes and they kind of glowed a little bit. And maybe, you know, they did a bunch of good stuff. They had a really good relationship with God and they helped the poor and they did all this, you know, and, uh, and maybe they even died for their faith like they were a martyr, right? That's how we view saints. That, and, you know, maybe those people technically were a saint if they were a Christian, but, but uh, that's not what the biblical saint is, okay? So I just want to clear that up. So Paul, what he's actually saying and what you could even say, you could say, He's saying, be able, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints, or, all, or let's just say the whole church, okay? This, that's what we are, the church, all right? Comprehend with the whole church what is the length and the width, all right, and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, all right? Now, there's a lot there. Okay, um, let's break that down a little bit. He gives several reasons as to why we need this strength. The first reason, he says, so that Christ dwells in your heart. All right, we know that this happens. The Bible makes it clear that this happens that when we make the conscious decision to follow Jesus. Now, that doesn't happen when we, you know, when we don't, pop out of the womb and start screaming Jesus. It's not what any of us do. Okay, you're not a Christian when you're born. Um, that's not how that all works. And so some of us, every single person you know, in here, uh, we all have the, the decision that we have to make in our life at some point in our life, whether to follow Jesus or not. Does that make sense? Okay, we all got it. We all do it. Some of us, we've made it. Some of us, we haven't yet. Some of us, we've have that moment in our life. Some of us, we've just been putting it off and we haven't made that yet. But every single one of us, we, we, we've made that decision. Or every single one of us, we have the opportunity to make the decision. And when that happens, the Bible makes it clear that God actually grabs a hold of our inner being. He grabs a hold of our heart and he moves in. And he's a part of us. And he's always with us so that we don't ever have to be alone. We're never alone because he's always there. His spirit is within us. He literally dwells in us. And as God moves in, he's saying, so that Christ dwells in our hearts, as God moves in, we should be more and more rooted in God's love. And that's the second reason, really. I mean, just think about that for a second, right? Rooted in, rooted in, in God's love. All right, what would your life look like if it was more rooted and grounded in love? Like, how would that change? Like, think, think about it real quick. How would your everyday life change? Or what about that person at work that just drives you crazy, okay? All, we all got those people. They all exist. I work with AJ, so you know that I, I, I understand how you feel. Um, but think about it. How would that change? That person that just drives you crazy and they do something that you don't like and you know, it, just, it just frustrates you. But instead of um, being angry and instead of having that frustration towards that person, what if you had sympathy and love? That'd be hard to do. But what if we were able to do that? That would change, right? It would change our reaction. 
It changed the way we treat that person. It changed the way we handle the situation. I mean, that would change everything. Right? I mean, think about your husband or wife, all right? Let's say your husband or your wife or your spouse, they do something that you've like, I've asked you a thousand times not to do that. Why do you still do that? That makes no sense. What's going on? You know, you got something like that going on. And they do it anyway. And, and instead of being like agitated toward that person or just angry or annoyed, what if you showed love, mercy, grace? How would that change your relationship with your spouse? How would that completely change it? It'd be completely different. Right? Your reaction would be completely opposite of how we usually react. I mean, how would it be, how would be, or how would being more and more rooted in actual love change you? It would change everything. Right? So he's saying, you know, I want you to have the strength and power within your inner being so that Christ will dwell within us, so that you can be rooted and firmly established in love, but also in verse 18. He says, so that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints, right, or the whole church, what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. He's saying, this is what I want. I want you as a church to experience God's love. He's saying, I want you to experience it. Now, if you're like me, you're an expert on love, right? <laughs> right? How many of you, I mean, look, uh, probably most everybody in this room, you've ever been in a dating relationship where you didn't end up eating, or when you didn't end up, did I say eating? That's not, eating, <laughs> I don't know. Where you, you've been in a dating relationship where you didn't end up marrying that person. Okay, hardly any of you. Um, that's weird. It's not what, Okay. All right, so I'm assuming you guys are just afraid for some reason to raise your hand, but, or maybe you're sitting, I don't know. All right, but, uh, but this is how like a dating relationship works, right? All right, I've been there, done that. Um, you start dating somebody and you begin to like them, okay? I mean, you could say you have some sort of love for that person. At least you should, otherwise you shouldn't be dating them, okay? Um, maybe you just feel bad for them. I don't know what some of your guys' reasons are, but, uh, but you know, at some point you, you love them to a certain extent. But then what happens, if you didn't marry this person, what has happened to you is you look at that person and something begins to surface and you're like, ugh, I don't like that, right? Like, I don't want to deal with that. And something changes your mind where you're like, you know what, that fault or whatever this person has is something I don't personally really want to deal with. And so what do you do? You walk away, Right? That's what a dating relationship's for. It's probably good that, you know, we're supposed to do that when we're dating, not when we're married. Um, but, uh, but that's not a bad thing, necessarily. But that's just, that's just how, how it works. That, that love that we've had for them, it's completely different than the love that we have for our kids, right? I mean, we understand that. It's a completely different type of love. Um, but, uh, w- like, for me personally, when I see a fault in one of my kids, I don't just walk away from that, Right? No, in a sense, it almost makes me love them more. Like, I don't take Toby when, I, when he does something stupid or whatever, you know, I don't, whatever. Some of you guys don't write email and say, you shouldn't have said that, please. But whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. When, when they do something that you're like, that was not good, okay? I don't sit Toby down and say, hey, bro, this uh, son, dad thing, this, this is not working out for us. I don't do that. 
I'm like, you know, I'm not like, hey, you know, it's, it's me. It's not you. It's me. Um, you can stop texting at any moment. I don't do that. Okay? With, with my kids, right, when I see a fault in them, it almost, it almost makes me love them more because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to just walk away from this relationship I have for them, for this love that I have for them. I want to, like, help them get better. I want to help them remove that fall from their life. I want to help them, you know, strengthen their weaknesses. That's what we're supposed to do as, as parents. Right? That's kind of how God's love is for us. In some sense, with my kids, it's like, you know what? In some sense, I'm thinking, they need me. And I love them, and I want to be there for them. And I want to help them remove those weaknesses out of their life. And I'm not walking away. That's just like kind of a small glimpse of God's love for us. See, a lot of us in here, we're like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, God loves us. So basic. Like, that's the first thing that we hear. You know, uh, you know when we come to church, of course, that's what we hear in Sunday school or whatever. You know, God, God loves us. But Paul's, he, he's not saying that it's so basic. That's what we naturally think. Paul's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. All right, I am praying that you have the strength to comprehend it because it is so difficult to understand. And he's like, no, you, God's love is not basic. God's love is not easy for us, breezy for us to get. He's like, I want you to have the strength to comprehend it because it is so, so difficult. See, it's actually so difficult that Paul hears, he's kind of grasping for words. He can't describe. He's like, I just want you to know how, how, how wide and, and the, the length and, I don't know, the depth and the, and the height of God's love. He said, like, I want you to understand your way around God's love. I want you to understand it. I want you to comprehend it. And if he were today, he would say something to us like, hey, I want you, you know, I, I pray that God would give you strength because this is so much bigger. See, the strength in our inner being is so much more important, so much bigger than our mortgage payment or retirement or having successful kids or being promoted in our job. And he's like, I just want you to help them see how wide and long and deep and, and, and high this thing actually is. That they may know that your love, it, it like, I don't know, surpasses knowledge. See, that's our problem. See, many of us, so many of us, we think that it's all about knowing about God. Ah, oh, yeah, I know about God. Uh, every single person in here, whether you're a Christian or not, you know, there's things we know about God. Okay, we got some knowledge uh, about God. We, you know, we totally uh, get that. Uh, and a lot of us, we think, you know, it's all about reading our Bible or gaining knowledge or facts. Now, by far the majority of us in here, you know, you know I don't even want to guess, but it could be like, 85, 90%, I don't know, all right? We don't read our Bibles enough. All right, by far, most people in here, they're not, you're not reading your you know, Bible every day, and that's something you should do, okay? Literally, think about it. God has given you a message. It's this thing called the Bible, and he's like, hey, read this. I want you to get to know me better, and, and I want to grow in our relationship, and what do we do? It sits on a shelf or under our bed or collects dust in a drawer, and we're like, yeah, you know, I got some other little things that I got going on in my life that, I, you know, I don't have time for this right now. We don't spend time. That's something we should be. We need to be dedicating some time to getting to know God better. And we do that through reading his word. Okay, that's how it works. But for a few of us in here, I want to talk to you for a second. The mature Christian, let's say. You get in your Bible on a regular basis. 
okay? You have, maybe you've been a Christian for 10, 20, you know, maybe even more years, and you, let's be honest, you have some knowledge about God. Maybe you have a lot of knowledge about God. That's good. But my guess is that your knowledge about God doesn't necessarily compare to your obedience to God. My guess is that a lot of people in here, we have more knowledge, and this doesn't, even if you have a little bit of knowledge, this could apply to you, but I think a lot of people in here, we have way more knowledge about who God is than how we actually obey it. Like, like we know what the Bible says, but we don't do what the, but we don't do what the Bible says. You get the difference? Does that make sense? Okay, like seven of you. All right, good. All right, they don't match up. Your knowledge about God is really outperforming your obedience to God, and that's, and that's not good. I mean, think about it. Some of you guys, let's say you give God, and I, I wish you know, more people would do this because your relationship with God is so important, but some of you guys, let's say you give God 10 minutes a day in the morning, and you read, you read the Bible, but if you're not doing what it says, what's the point? Who cares? Gathering more knowledge. It, it, it doesn't matter. Maybe for some of you, it's, hey, instead of reading the Bible for that 10 minutes a day, why don't you spend that 10 minutes a day, a day just doing what the Bible says? That might be better for you because you've already got the knowledge. Now, obviously, you should, every one of us should be reading the Bible. Now, some of you, it's the exact opposite, okay? You never read the Bible, and you're like, yeah, you know, I don't read the, God's Word, and, but what I like to do is I like to experience God. And so, you know, I, when I'm in the car, I listen to worship music, and I praise God, and I pray to God, and I do all this. But it just experience isn't good enough either. It's really a combination of both. Just having knowledge and not experiencing God, not good. Experiencing God and not having knowledge, not good. All right, so many times I'm t- I talk to people, and they're like, hey, this and this happened. I'm like, that's against what the Bible says, so, but this is what I felt. Well, your experience doesn't trump God, doesn't trump God's word. See, we shouldn't be worried about gaining more knowledge about God necessarily. We should be worried on, about doing what the Bible says, acting on that knowledge that we have. And a lot of us, it's like we, I don't know, it's like the knowledge that we have about God, that's what we're banking everything on banking our life on it. You know, we get it. We believe it. We have the knowledge. We know, you know, intellectually that God loves us, all right? And we like that. That's a good thing. And I get that you know it. But my question is, do you know that? Have you felt it? Have you actually experienced it? Have you experienced God's love love in a way that uh, you're able to always show love in any situation, All right, whatever happens at work, you always act, react in a loving way. Have you experienced love like that? Have you experienced God's love? Do you know in your heart God's love enough that, uh, that, you know, something, you know, happens at at work or at home and um, you are living, you're always living in joy, okay? It doesn't matter what has happened. Are you just always living a joyful life? Like all the time, it doesn't matter the circumstance. Do you, have you experienced love enough that, you know, that when there's a sin, a sin or a temptation dangling in front of your face that you almost kind of, you look at it and, and you get tempted by it, but it's almost like you, you laugh at it and you're like, ha, there's no way I'm doing that because God loves me so much. I'm not gonna rebel against him. Right, because I've experienced 
this love? Have you experienced love like that? Because that's what understanding this love does to us. This is a love that surpasses knowledge. I mean, look at verse 19, all right? Surpasses knowledge. What an interesting phrase. How can we know something that can't be known, right? How can we, you know, how can we know something that is really beyond knowing? And that's Paul's whole point. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. It's about knowing and feeling the love of God much more than about being educated on God or knowing facts about God. See, Paul, as he's writing this, he's trying to describe something that's indescribable. And again, he's grasping for words. He's like, you know what? I just want you guys to know, you know, the, the width and the length and the height and, and the depth of God's love. And he's just grasping for words. And he says, I just want you guys to know the, the, this love that, I don't know, that you can't know. This love that ex, surpasses knowledge. And then he sums it up in just a few words. It, basically what Paul's saying is like, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to write this down so that you guys as a church understand. And I don't know how to describe God's, God's love. But in verse 19, <coughs> he says, so that you know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's like, that's what I want. I just want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. I, I just want your true self or your inner being to be so completely dominated by Jesus that there's nothing left of you. I want you to be filled with God. Which, you know, think about it. When people look at you and describe you, maybe at home, maybe at school, work, in the gym, wherever. Do they describe you as somebody being filled with the fullness of God? I'm in this too. Probably not, right? I mean, the answer is no. <laughs> right? That's not how people describe us, but that's how they should describe us. People should be able to look at us and say, wow, I don't know what there is, but there is something so different about that person. Not weird, different. Christians are uh, really good at being weird, different. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking like, like good, different, okay? There's a difference. Are you saying? There is, in my, in my personal opinion. Um, I can't explain it biblically, but there's something. Yeah, never mind. All right. But you saying, can people look at us? And do they say, wow, there's something so different about that person, something so different that it doesn't necessarily attract me to that person, but it attracts me to God. See, that's what the love that we've experienced, that's how it should show up in our life. That's what happens when we are filled with all the fullness of God. And it's interesting, Paul, he then ends his prayer with this. He says, now to him who is able to do, listen to this, above and beyond all, that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be, glo be glory in the church and in, him, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says, he who is able to do way more than we think. Is that cool? I mean, he who is able to do, he's able to do anything beyond what we can ask. He's able to do beyond what we could even think of or, or comprehend. See, for you, I don't know what you're wanting for yourself, but let me just say this. I don't know what you pray for, what requests you make to God, but let me just say this. It's smaller than this. It's smaller than this. Whatever you lay in bed awake at night and is frustrating you or maybe you're just stressed out about it, you know, whatever it is, 
that you're praying and asking God to remove this or, or let you have this or whatever it is, is smaller than this. That is a smaller ask than this. All right, success is good. We should all want success. I mean, nobody, we shouldn't want to be failures or be content with being failure or being a failure, all right? But success is smaller than this, right? To be seen a certain way, smaller. All right, for kids to get good grades, smaller. For your kids to be successful, smaller. For retirement, smaller. For a business deal, smaller. For some physical problem that you have in your life, smaller. Those things aren't as important as this. I'm not saying those things don't matter, but maybe, think about this, maybe God wants to give you so much more than to make you physically feel better. Maybe he wants to give you more than that. Maybe that's why there's no application for today. All right, because sometimes I feel like when I'm like, hey, this is what you gotta do to grow closer in your relationship with God. Here's the four steps you gotta take or whatever it is. All right, sometimes I feel like, like for this, it would make us feel that we can do something to gain this knowledge or to gain this strength in our inner being, that we have some part of it, and we don't. It's all God. The only thing that we can possibly do is get on our knees and ask and beg God to give it to us because he's the only one that can do it. It's not us. Right? And I don't know what you want to be known for in life. I don't know what your goals are. I know for me, you know, for me, I, I want to be a good speaker, at least a decent one, right? I want to be a good pastor. All right? I want to be a, a, a great leader. I want to be fun. I want to be a good boss. I want to be a good manager. I want to be a great husband, and I want to be a great parent. But even those things, life is so much bigger than those things. There's so much more to life. Even though those things are very important, there's just even more important things. Those things are only temporary. Some of those things I mentioned, for me, might not even last 20 years. I might not be, I mean, one of those things was being fun. I might not be fun next year, right? (laughs) Some of those things are just temporary. Don't even last our whole life. But to grow with our creator and to be filled with all the fullness of him, that's eternal. That lasts forever. It's on a completely different scale than all those other good things. That's probably what we should be praying for. So much more important. Let's pray. God, we, uh, Lord, we ask that you'd fill us with the fullness of you. Whatever that is, because we can't even understand exactly what that means. But God, we know that you're able to do much more than what we're able to ask for. What what we're able to even come up with or think about. You're able to to do so much more than we ask. And God, uh, we ask that we would grow in our relationship with you. We ask that we we would grow in the love, that we'd be able to understand uh, more and more being rooted in love, that we'd be able to understand love, and that that love would show up on the outside in our life. It would start in our inner being, in our core. But that people would be able to see that because that's what your love does. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us, even when you don't have to, but you do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.